There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dope Black Podcast. Hello guys and welcome back to Dope Black Dads. My name's Cameron and today I am, I'm trying to like rein in my inner fanboy right now, I'll be honest. Uh, I am with Jonathan Benjamin Gill. Uh, he's an English actor, presenter, singer, songwriter and established farmer. Established is important there. Um, he rose to fame as a member of JLS and if you don't know, you're too young, let's be honest. <laughs> no, you're going to find out though. Uh, and they dominated the charts for five years, boasting five number one singles, over 10 million record sales worldwide, and a multitude of awards. Now in 2016, JB, also known as Jonathan Benjamin, JB for short, obviously, uh, he began seeking to empower young Londoners from all walks of life in the journey onto the London career ladder. And he did, does, and is doing that as the first ambassador of the Mayor's Fund for London, an independent social mobility charity linked to the mayoral office. But what I want to know, honestly, what I want to know is how little old JB Gill from the ends, because he's from South London, has successfully ended up going from singing to farming to writing a dope children's book. So without further ado, listeners, let me introduce you to JB Gill. JB, how are you, my man? Hey, I'm good. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. Honestly, this is this is nuts. I remember being in primary school being like, oh, <laughs> so this is insane. It's truly insane, my man. Um, I want to go straight into it. Like, I generally want to know how does a guy from South like South London go into JLS and then into the farm life? I'm mainly on the farm life because I'm kind of going through that in my own personal life as well. So can you kind of mm. tell me what are the key moments that have led you to farm life? Well, I mean, to be honest, it probably goes right back to the beginning. So I think there were, there must have been some sort of seed, so and excuse the pun, um, when I was growing up, because I grew, I spent sort of my early years between the age of sort of, well, from about one till about four or five um, in the Caribbean. My mum and dad used to work out there. My mum was trained as a nurse. Um, and so, yeah, we spent sort of my, my childhood there. Uh, before we moved then to to um, to South London, and so for me, you know, I, I've got pictures of me growing up, you know, outdoors, you know, going and getting fruit from from the local farmers and and the local farms, you know, going for rides on the back of my fa- you know family members' donkeys, and my dad used to keep horses, so I, you know, that outdoor sort of rural type of lifestyle, um, you know, has, has always been part of my upbringing. 
obviously when we moved to the UK, we lived in South London, so we had less of that immediately around us. But I think, you know, my parents uh, have always been quite keen on, on um, encouraging me to be outdoors. Um, of course, we've got lots of family in the Caribbean. So whenever they came over, we'd always go sightseeing or go traveling. You know, my mum was, my mum and dad both, you know, uh, um, you know, very keen travelers. So we've been all over the world, but certainly in the UK, we've been up to you know, the Lake District and the Peak District. And, you know, we've done lots of different types of holidays over the years. So, you know, that's always been something that, you know, has been part of my life. Um, and when I left my family home, you know, my mum and dad's still based in, in Croydon, um, I decided that I wanted to live a little bit further out, be in a place where, you know, when I didn't, you know, when I did have a bit of time off, which didn't happen very often, um, I could actually just chill out and relax and be surrounded by the countryside. Um, and so initially I just wanted to, you know, live a bit further out, but actually my mum encouraged me to, to purchase a bit of land, which, uh, you know, when I moved house, when I bought my property, um, and there was about 15 acres of farmland there. So initially I didn't really do much with it. I was still in JLS. I was still traveling a lot, didn't have much time to focus on it. But as things sort of, you know, wound to a close with JLS the first time, um, you know, and I was looking at all the different options that I might have, uh, you know, in my personal career um, or my individual career, that's kind of when the, the farm really took off. And, and, you know, I wanted to make a good use of that space. Um, and yeah, as I say, researched lots of different things that I could do. But knowing that the, 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 the land had previously been farmed for me was was, you know, a great source of inspiration. And that's pretty much how it all started. So the farm was a pre it was previously being used as a farm, and then you kind of just took over the reins and and continued it. Is what you're saying? No, so so the the, the land wasn't being used really at all, right, but okay. in in previous owners had farmed it. Yeah, right. Okay, I see what you mean. So okay, fair enough. And what at what age did you move from the Caribbean? And where in the Caribbean did you move from before you came to South London? So my mom's from Antigua. Oh, okay. So I've got lots of um, family, obviously still based in Antigua and Barbuda. My dad's from Guyana, um, but we were living in Antigua for, as I say, I think I was born here in the UK. Um, we went back to uh, Antigua. My mom and dad were both working out there. My brother was born here back in the UK. So just about 18 months, um, just short of 18 months younger than me he is. Um, and then um, we were back in the, in the Caribbean, back in Antigua until I was about four or five. So I basically came here for primary school. Okay, cool. That makes sense then. So I can see now how like it wasn't like you were just born and bred in South London from the get go city life. You have had that like yeah. jumping on donkeys in Antigua, obviously. So that's how you kind of brought yeah. back into. Okay, that makes more sense now. I was fully like, this makes no sense. <laughs> I can relate because like I'm I'm from East London, different ends, um, but still London. We know what what it's like. It's very city like. Yeah. And I didn't see much of that. And then it was when I moved. Um, I live in Cheshire now. And I just farmland left, right and center to me. I was like, oh, this is quite cool. But one thing that's kind yeah. of brought this on to me is my fear of going into the kind of like farm industry or the farm, like having my own farm, because I love animals as well. So do my kids. How did you like transition into that being black as well? Because it is predominantly like white farmers out and about. How or was it different for you? That's my stereotype to it. So. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, as I say, like, I, I, it, it was, it was born out of a desire to do something with the space that I have, rather than a considered, I want to move to a farm and set up a farm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. for me, it was more a case of being resourceful with what I already had. Do you see what I'm saying? So for me, that you know, that was kind of the the, the starting point. And I, I've 
because I mean, you know, obviously I've had the support of my family and so on. Like I had my dad um, helping me uh, to set it up initially, um, and I've always had or always found that I've had good support locally as well. Um, and I don't know, I don't know. Maybe that's because of who I am and and how people know me, how people recognise me. Although you know, people might think I'm a bit crazy. Uh, certainly to go from music into farming, but I think the farming community were certainly welcoming but felt like it was a good thing for them and and it's only really recently that you're seeing a lot more popular culture adopt and take on and respect farming and i think that was you know mainly driven by the, the pandemic you know we we saw sort of through, during that two two years two and a half years how much of an impact you know the producers and farmers and growers in our communities in our societies have on our on our food and the food that we consume you know you're walking into the supermarket having to queue for however long and then you'll find that there's no no flour on the shelf you know and there's no eggs that you know a lot of the things that we're used to relying on staples within our diet weren't there you know and they have to be produced they have to be made and and i think we we started to respect that a lot more during that period and you know you're now seeing you know starting to see tv and the media adopt it and and you know politicians talking about it and it's becoming a really important thing for all of us do you know what i mean so for me i think obviously even though i i came along and started the farm before that that time um you know there was always that sort of appreciation i guess you know certainly from the people that i've spoken to saying that you know this is a great thing that you're doing and you know i think there were definitely would have been doubts um in the early days because you know a lot of people talk about farming but the reality of farming is 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 a completely you know completely different to just speaking about it and it's difficult and it's hard and it's challenging there's lots of things that you know you have that go into it you know we keep livestock so there's you know there's life and death and everything else in between that you have to handle and deal with there's wildlife if you if you're farming livestock that's one thing you've got wildlife to consider we farm birds so um you know we're we're, we're poultry farmers to an extent um so you know again with that you have to be mindful of of, of predators like foxes and things like that so there's so many different things that go into it but i think overall you know the fact that i'm talking about it the fact that i'm saying this is something that you can consider whether within you know the black community or across the country to be honest um i think is really really important and you know you're finding that people even from farming backgrounds are are leaving leaving farms leaving the countryside and coming into the city so i think it's it's definitely an issue that that the industry has overall um and anything that can be spoken about to highlight the 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 um the strength of the industry and how good the industry is um, and the possibilities within the industry, I think, is, is well received. So, you know, as I say, I, I've never really had any negative sort of comment, comments about it. I've never had, you know, certainly from the farming community, I've been well supported um, both privately um, and, of course, you know, through, through television. You know, I, I went to see Adam Henson um, on Country File almost in the early days before I'd even done anything. Uh, you know, Jimmy Doherty has been very, very supportive of me. Um, and, of course, as I say, there's lots of of people that I've worked with and, and, and been supported by over the years. Oh, that's insane, man. Honestly, that brought up so many questions as well, um, which I want get to get onto as well. So while you were doing your farming, was you still doing um, a bit of JLS or like TV and all the extra stuff as well? How yeah, so did you I, do I, that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we started small. We literally started with one pig. 
Yeah, you yeah. know, so Jinjai was the first animal that we ever had. We rescued her actually from the RSPCA, oh, um, wow. and we literally started with one animal. And we then had subsequent litter, like we had a litter with her. So in that first litter she had, she had three piglets. So again, obviously that one make, went grew to four. Um, we then had a, a boar come on such as she had two um, two gilts, so that's two females and one um, boar. So. Um, we obviously had litters with Ginger again. We had litters with the two gilts. Um, so that's three of them. And for those who don't know, you know, a pig can have up to 16 or 18 in a, in a litter. So, wow. you know, you're, you're talking, yeah, you could literally go from having th- four pigs to then having, I don't know, 30 at any one time. That so you, know, you can people, imagine that people the, complain about like having too many kids is expensive having that many things <laughs> is expensive um plus as well obviously you've got crazy. kids as well haven't you um so how how yeah. kids kind of what's that been like growing kids up on a farm how how much do they work on the farm obviously school life how does how does that work having a family on a farm yeah amazing i mean for me i think it was it's been great you know just especially in the early years just teaching them little things like counting or whatever you know we keep chickens um and my daughter absolutely loves them so i'll get now i can get her to go out feed them check for eggs make sure everything's all right come back like by herself independently she's Mm. four so you know before that you know we'd we'd sit on you know we'd go and oh i'd go and get collect the eggs or whatever um and i'd I'd sit down and i'd count them all out and you can just do there's so much that you can explore in the world around you full stop you know so being able to have a farm where you've got livestock you've got a sense of responsibility you've got you know a, a duty of care you know, even if you're just growing something on the windowsill, you know, again, there's a sense of a duty of care. You've got to water it. You've got to nurture it. You've got to look after it, protect it. Um, and so for me, you know, that's kind of, you know, I always in- involve the kids in what, what I'm doing. Um, they don't always like it. Like my little boy doesn't particularly enjoy mucking out, but, you know, sometimes I need help. So, you know, they'll come out, they'll help me um, when we have our busy times, you know, when we're selling our turkeys and stuff like that. Of course, you know, the, the family will pretty much pitch, pitch in. My wife is obviously incredibly supportive and helpful um, throughout the whole process. Um, you know, especially if I'm traveling or doing TV or I'm away, you know, she'll she'll certainly chip in um, and, and, you know, hold everything down. So it's definitely a family affair. And I think most farms are all uh, you know, a bit like that. And on that on that point as well, um, if you don't mind sharing, what's kind of like your wife's background? Have, what made her want to go on the farm as well? Has she had any like interaction with animals and farm life as well before that? Or was she just following you blindly? But as I say, obviously, yeah, as I say, our, our, our move initially um, when we got married was... Yeah was purely residential um, and so this has developed over time but of course yeah you know we, we, we're married and we've been together for a long time and you know she's always encouraged me uh, you know just like I've encouraged her with everything that she takes on um, and you know she's she comes from a, a family business so her background is in, is, is English and Irish um, so and she's lived here most of her life but in Ireland um, her dad's side of the family have you know they, they have farms and so on as well so some of her earliest memories are growing up on the farm in island and you know tearing around on quad bikes and you know looking after the cows and running from them but then having to you know sort whatever other stuff out as well so you know she's although she hasn't got a background in farming per se she comes from that background where she's you know it's been exposed to the countryside and you know and 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 of course enjoys that as well so you know we've got a, a mutual interest in in that and as I say, over the years when we've been looking to establish ourselves, um, you know, she's she's been a huge part to, you know, had a huge part to play in that. 
Nice, nice. So um, when obviously now you've got your farm, and I think it's you've got turkeys and um, pigs as your main kind of thing that you use on the farm. Is that right? Yeah. How yes, was correct. that like in terms of like without getting into the nitty gritty too much, but like having to like kill your first animal and stuff like that? How does that process work with you? Like that's what I'm a bit scared of, and I'll go in detail why in a bit. But. <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously, there's lots of re legislation and regulation around that. So any any type of lifestyle, you have to go to an accredited abattoir. I mean, technically, you could seek to get that accredit accreditation, sorry, yourself. Um, with turkeys, it's slightly different because they're uh, considered to be uh, a wild animal, effectively. So it's, like a, it's considered a game bird. Um, of course, you know, for, for me, I think animal welfare and, and, and um, especially when it comes to the slaughtering process is really, really important. So we only go through accredited channels. But yeah, uh, um, you know, of course, you've got, you got things like um, game birds as well, literally, you know, game birds like um, uh, pheasant and, and grouse and so on and so forth. Not that we get that much grouse down here, but we certainly get pheasant, um, deer, you know, and things like that, which you can, you know, obviously you can go deer stalking and stuff like that. And that can all be done in the wild. So it just depends on whether it's wild stock, whether it's wild stock, um, and and what that means in terms of then that that culling process. Okay, cool. So um, I wanted to. This might be a bit controversial. You'd be like, "Oh my god, what's he about to say?" And I'll explain why. Let me give you a second. So our family's quite vegetarian, vegan, right? And yep. my and whenever people hear that, they instantly think I'm like pro vegan, friend, red paint at you, and all that stuff that you probably hear on the news <laughs> and things like that, right? I'm not like that at all. I completely respect. However people do it, I'm very pro-choice. Um, and one thing that I've always believed in is kids should know kind of where your foods come from or just at least respect animals and understand um, where food's coming from. How have you ingrained that in your own kids? Because I feel like that is something that from seeing other interviews and stuff like that, that is something you're um, really pro as well. So how how have your kids been involved? Because they obviously play with, like you said, your daughter's very fond of the chickens and stuff. Do you ever have to use the chickens that, you, that she plays with to eat? How has she reacted to that? I'm very curious to see how that's gone about. My children, um, of course, there is, one of the things that I've, I've always been a champion of is that, that process that your food takes from the field, if it's in the field, all the way to your plate, right? And that goes for animals and for any vegetation as well. Now, when I, lo I love to cook. So with my children, I've always been very expressive and very open about where food comes from. As I say, regardless of whether it's a, a meat source or a vegetable source, whatever it is, they need to understand that, okay, this is an apple, it's grown on a tree, the tree looks like this, whatever it might be. When I cook meat, so just say I'm doing like a Sunday roast for the family or, or, or we're having like a Sunday meal together. If I've got my children cooking with with me, which I have done from a very early age, I'll just sit on my hip, you know, when they were babies. And I, even if I'm just cooking something simple like pasta, you know, I'd put the fork in the pasta and let them taste it and say, does that taste ready to you? Is it, you know, mm. is it cooked? And then of course they say yes, because they're babies and they want to eat. And I'm like, nope, needs a little bit longer. So I put it back in. So I've always had that conversation with them from the very beginning. And then if I'm cooking, if I'm cooking chicken or cooking lamb or cooking whatever it might be, I'll say, this is lamb. This comes from a sheep, so on and so forth. But the thing, obviously with my children and obviously I'm talking with children in general, I think that conversation has to come at an appropriate time because not everybody's ready to deal with the conversation of death, which is effectively what it is, whether it's a natural death or not. Not everybody's ready to to deal with that conversation and not every child is able to process that mm. at the same age. 
So some children, obviously my children have grown up with it. They've known it from a very early age. Other children perhaps aren't emotionally ready to have that conversation until maybe they're perhaps a bit older in, in you know, maybe six or seven or eight. So I'm always mindful of having a conversation or, or sort of a blanket conversation about that. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. But I do believe that it's important. You know, I think especially if you're going to consume meat, you should understand where that's come from. You know, the whole nine yards. Do you know what I mean? And with my children, of course, they've, they've got an, a, a, had a different experience of it. You know, we've gone down to the chicken coop, for example, and, and found dead chickens. And I've gone with my daughter and she's seen that firsthand. You can't yeah. hide that. Do you know what I mean? So I don't sugarcoat that. I just say this is what's happened. The fox has probably got in or, you know, something's happened, you know, overnight or whatever. There might even be disease involved i don't know there could be a whole host of things mm. and this is what's happened similarly with our turkeys you know we ha we have issues pretty much every year where you know if they they are they're all outdoor bred they always have been um and we do put sort of elect electric fencing just to to safeguard them and and protect them but you know there are instances either when they jump out or if a fox gets in and similarly you know i've been i've had instances where i've had i've gone down there just to check everything's all right and i've you know lost 10 20 30 and you have to clear it up. You have to pick it up. You have to, you know, you can't hide that. So for me, obviously living on a farm for my children is, is, is a very different situation. But I just don't believe in hiding or pretending that that doesn't exist. I think either way, regardless of if you don't want to eat meat and you're, you know, there's lots of different reasons why people don't want to eat meat. You should understand and know about it. But then similarly, if you do eat meat, it's you, you almost, for me, it's even more important you know, I get a lot of people who say, oh, no, well, I don't want to know about it. I'm like, why? You should know about it. You know, it's really important. And animals had to give its life to give you or continue giving you life. So mm. let's respect that. Do you know what I mean? Let's honour that. I completely You know, that, that's kind of my take on it. I, I'm just thinking, like, the thought of having to go outside and see 13 dead chickens from a fox or something like that. I remember it was actually only, like, last week. Um, we've got the front of our house, we've got these massive windows and some kind of bird during the night. Like, there's a certain time where it just turns into, like, a window and they fly straight into it. And that had happened. And there's, like, a dead bird outside. And the kids were like, oh, my God, it's died. Oh, look. Da -da 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 -da. And I was, like, trying to be the brave dad, trying to pick this bird up and put it in the bin. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I completely relate with that, my man. Um, right. Let's move on to the main main topic that we're here for, my man. And I've again, one thing I'm definitely noticing about you is your ability to change so quickly and so rapidly into completely different fields. Obviously, going from JLS to the farming. Why did you decide to write a book? Like, where did that all come from? Well, I suppose it's it's. 
more a case of timing, to be honest. I mean, I've always enjoyed writing, you know, even at school. One of my favorite subjects was English. Um, in fact, all of my favorite subjects pretty much were literary subjects. So whether that was history or French or English or theology, which I went on to study at university. So all of those subjects require a lot of writing and a lot of reading, which I loved. You know, those are those are my things. You know, I could sit and read books all day long. So for me, you know, writing has always been a, a part of who I am. And of course, I've been able to do that in, in, in a sense through my songwriting. So I've had that involved, obviously, in, in JLS, you know, even though people don't necessarily put the two and two together. And, and you know, it, for me, it goes it goes hand in hand. You know, you, you have to come up with different ways to rhyme. You have to come, especially for writing songs, you come up with different ways to rhyme, different things to, to say, different words to use, different ways to use them. Do you know what I mean? Like a thesaurus is your, is your best friend because you might want to come up with a word, but you can't find it, uh, uh, you know, it rhyming with another word that you've used in the phrase before and stuff like that so really me deciding to write a book was almost an extension of that and I suppose it really came to the fore when um, I was expecting my son um, one of the things that my wife and I are really passionate about was me reading to the baby of course you know the, the, the mum the, the so Chloe my wife um, would have carried him but you know for, for me being able to establish that connection from quite an early age I was able to do that you know through my voice and I, I know that my mum was obviously involved in the, in the healthcare profession so I know that you know the, the um, hearing is one of the first things to develop and it's also one of the last things to go without going into too much detail so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know your hearing is really really powerful and actually that's the one of the reasons why if you're really unwell or if you're unconscious they talk to you they say Jonathan, da, 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 and they'll they'll communicate with you verbally because often you can respond to that even if you can't speak yourself. And again, with children, you know, it's one of the first things to develop. Your speech um, comes a bit later, but actually you can understand everything mum and dad's saying. If mum and dad say, go and get that balloon, you go and get the balloon, even if you can't mm. say the word balloon. So for me, it was really important to, um, you know, to establish that, that bond, just, you know, with Ace when he's the oldest, so when he was um, born. So... I wanted to come up with a picture book, actually, uh, initially, obviously age appropriate, um, that, you know, I could read to him um, and, you know, hopefully if it was good enough, get published. Now, that that picture book didn't get published. That's not to say I don't think that it wasn't good enough, but for one reason or another, it didn't get across the line. And um, over the years, you know, it's been a project that I've wanted to, to get across the line, um, certainly to have, you know, the book published and it's taken on different iterations throughout the year so it, it went from being in rhyme in a picture book um and then it was a short story i wrote it in prose and of course it's it's gone from being about 10 15 000 words to being i think this book is is almost thirty thousand words um so yeah it's changed a lot over the years but you know finally i was able to be published through puffin um and yeah, it's been it's been an eight year project, but it's been something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. Um, and I'm just glad, obviously, that I've, I'm able to share it with the world now. Yeah, definitely. Like, in, was it that there's that famous um, like the famous story, obviously, Harry Potter by J.K. Rowling, how many times she would have failed till she officially got yeah. there from Harry Potter. It's kind of that kind of same thing. So I'm expecting to see, you know, theme parks and everything over this soon. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> the yeah. sky's the limit. The sky's exactly, the limit. exactly. The sky is the limit, my man. Um, and I also want to know how much of, and since we've spoken a bit about your life, I'm already seeing that I've not fully finished reading the book because I'm waiting for my daughter to come back from a trip. She's, funny enough, she's actually at a farm, believe it or not, I just realised. Oh, wicked. Um, yeah, she's doing a trip out with her, like, school. You know, they go away for, like, a couple of days. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so I wanted to read that to her when she comes back because I'm big on reading as well. 
Um, and my Amazing. son was just looking at the book when it was on my um, desk. He was like, oh, what's this new book kind of thing? He can't, he's like four, he can't read yet. But he loved the, um, the cover. Uh, but yeah, so what I wanted to ask is how much is influenced by your real life in this book? I mean, generally speaking, the Ace character, although it carries my son's name, um, is probably more akin to my I was thinking personal that. experience. I was thinking that. Yeah, so, and, and don't get me wrong, of course, you know, as you read through it and you'll get there and some people who've listened to you maybe have already read it, um, there's certainly elements of it that are fiction, fictional and just made up. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I wanted to have a, a little bit of... Um, I guess reality in there you know I want to, it to be accessible to readers of you know all different age groups rather than just purely fantasy but at the same time you know for me I think being able to to extend that conversation about what goes on on a farm and how these things work is really really important you know so I wanted to kind of uh, I guess portray um, different characters certainly my character as well you know different scenarios you know there's, there's a part in the book um it's sort of early when an ace leaves his home in a city goes to the farm and it's kind of like the reality of wow we've just come to this place it's completely different i don't know anybody it's so much space compared to what i'm used to and then he goes out and he meets the animals for the first time and it's kind of you know the, the pigs break out and it's literally just pandemonium which is a lived experience i've definitely had that in real life on my farm <laughs> and you, you know it's a, it's a steep learning curve you know and and thankfully i haven't had that for a very long time but you know in the early days it is exactly that you're learning on the job you're developing you know you're understanding something that is t- totally alien to you and as I say I, I really wanted that to come across so that you know partly because you know if people come from a city background and they're reading it um, you know they can understand perhaps what what goes into living in the countryside and being on a farm but then similarly you know for anyone who's from a countryside background who resonates you know with that farming aspect and with the you know the, the, the challenges that Ace has within the book but can also understand you know just how amazing it can be living in a city you know and and you know for me often people talk about sort of this big divide between city and country and actually of course yes there are differences i think there are many similarities you know and and there's definitely a mutual respect to be had so um, i wanted to get that across in the book as well yeah and one can't live without the other you need the city and you need the countryside there is i've definitely noticed that from coming from london and moving up yeah They, they need each other. There's definitely that. So yeah. now I completely relate. Um, what I wanted to quickly just kind of share with you was, um, and I've written this down, my favorite things about the book so far, if you don't mind me sharing. Um, the first thing like I yeah. mentioned, the cover of the book um, is amazing. It appealed to my, like I've never put it down there for my son to look at. And he was getting ready for school and he's just gone over to my desk and was like, oh, picking up the book and just leads to the covers. Amazing. <laughs> um, so shout out to the illustrator straight away because you can see, I think it as well, because my son's very similar looking to the boy on the front. He was like, oh, is this a book about me kind of thing? Um, so definitely <laughs> to that. Um, and a couple of other topics as well. So um, one thing I really liked, and I don't know if you did this intentionally or not, and I'm very excited to read this to my daughter specifically because I know she's going to ask these questions. But um, you briefly bring up topics that are really important. So one of the mentions um, in the very early stage of the book, you spoke about pensions and you also spoke about divorce. And it was only a little bit. And I think that's so brilliant because it it means as a reader, parent reading it to your child, that's kind of opened up the conversation for your kids to go, oh, what's a pension? Oh, what's a divorce? And it brings in that real life experience. So it's not just like an entertaining book. It's a book where you can actually learn about things that aren't just about the farm, just life in general. Which I thought was really cool. Did you do that on purpose, would you say? Or was that 
No, that was definitely on purpose because what I didn't want was obviously anything that I spoke about to come across preachy. But at the same time, like you say, you know, ultimately, you know, my son is the perfect age for this book, similar probably to to your your eldest, um, and he's eight, so he he will pick this book up. He can read this book independently. And for me, you know, it's really important, especially anything, anything that you read, you know, that you, that you have something fresh that you can relate to, something you can learn from and be stretched by. You know, he was talking to me the other day and he's, you know, there's a word in there that I used um, simultaneously, which obviously is a big word. Um, and he, he didn't recognize it. And he just said, Oh, what's this word? And we went through it and I told him to break it down and that sort of stuff. And he's like, why are you using such hard words in the book? And I'm like, well, you need to be stretched. Do you know what I mean? You want to learn what you could, I could use at the same time, but simultaneously sounds so much better. And then I said, you know, in a year or two's time, when you start doing your assessments and your sets and your this and that, you know, you can put a word like that in your story. And then all of a sudden someone goes, wow, he knows how to use that word, you know? So for me, you know, any type of book is a teaching tool, whether it's a fictional book, um, you know, whether it's a, a, a study book, workbook, whatever. So, you know, I, I really wanted to, to portray things like that. Like you say, talking about pension, talking about divorce, you know, there'll be lots of children who, you know, I do, I, well, my, my parents actually are, are separated now, but my wife comes from a family where their parents are still together, you know, and mum and a dad, uh, and that's our traditional, you know, that's what we see as, as normal, if you can call it that. And that's traditional for us. But there are lots of people who we read in this book who don't come from that background. You know, that's another reason why Ace doesn't have, you know, doesn't live with his parents. He lives with, lives with his grandparents because, again, you know, there are, you know, that there are lots of people, firstly, who have a great relationship with their grandparents. But like me, I didn't grow up with my grandparents. So I had hardly any real connection with any of them because they'd either all passed before I was born or like my granddad on my mum's side um he lived in the Caribbean he did pass when I was quite young I think I was about seven or eight but still obviously because he lived in the Caribbean I only saw him a handful of times uh, over that period of my life so for me kind of being able to portray um you know a family dynamic where it was a child and grandparents um, you know, it was just different. And, and, you know, I hope that people can read it, see it, obviously maybe ha- perhaps recognize some relationship with their own grandparents, or if they don't have grand- grandparents themselves can obviously imagine that. Um, but then also just feel accepted. You know what I mean? Like everyone has a different family makeup and, and I think all family counts. So, um, so yeah. Speaking of that, actually, uh, that's pretty, that's really interesting. I thought you were going to say you have a really, really strong connection with your grandparents, but that's pretty cool to see how you've created <laughs> that already. Um, and Speaking of grandparents, uh, one of the grandparents, Gigi, um, there was a famous bit that, in my opinion, that you did in there where you said um, when she reacts to some, I'm not going to spoil the book, obviously, um, she reacts to some shocking news and you said she turns a lighter shade of brown. And it's beautiful that you've done that because you don't actually mention that she's black in the actual book um, at the beginning. It's kind of like you build this, you you create that without being like, oh, I'm going to mention that they're black. It's kind of just a subtle tone, which I think is a great way of like introducing black characters without being like, I'll have to put a black character in if that makes sense. Um, So yeah, for me, I absolutely loved how you did that. And I can't wait to obviously show that to my daughter because I know she'll pick up on these little things. She's like, oh, cool. She's got skin like mine. And she always (laughs) does, which is quite cool. Um, But yeah, so I also wanted to, now we've spoken a bit about like my favorite things, what you've liked about the book. Um, what's the main purpose of this book for its readers? And what's the kind of your advice for aspiring children authors? The main purpose for this book is for it to be a great book that early readers, first time readers, chapter book readers can really sink their teeth into. You know, it's it's 
not but it's not an it's kind of in the middle of middle grade if that makes sense so that's generally speaking from about 7 to 11 or 8 to 13 but you know if you if you're able at six you probably could read pick this up and read it maybe with the help of a parent certainly by seven or eight you could read it independently um and obviously some people develop their their reading ability a bit later so if you're you know nine ten you can still read read along with it there's as i say there's an element of fantasy but there's still lots of reality so for me you know i really wanted to appeal to that younger reader who's read you know taking on a book for the first time and discovering you know chapters and, and maybe doing sort of like their own bedtime reading or you know reading in a book club at school or whatever um and and as i say i wanted to give a, 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 i guess a snippet of reality on the farm because i think the farm is an, an incredibly important place um farming as an industry is incredibly important and any way that you can make farming more accessible uh, more appealing i think is is doing the industry a huge favor it's obviously an industry that i i massively champion um and so this is just another way to do that you know you see stuff on on television i'm involved in tv shows um at prime time eight o'clock nine o'clock um on channel five that talk all about farming but you know my son doesn't sit up and watch those because it's too late for him so being able to have something that's almost on on their level that they can read and they can pick stuff up and learn or, or certainly ask questions about that is really the main purpose for me um and then what was the second part of the question sorry uh your kind of advice to aspiring children or that was it yeah and my my advice to any child who's aspiring uh, um uh, you know aspiring to be become an author is just to get started writing you know one of the things you know in my early days it was all about songwriting for me and you know my cousin was involved in in, in the music industry and had worked with lots of bands who'd done you know some big things uh, in the uk and he always said to me keep writing keep writing keep writing those songs because the more you write the more you express yourself the more you experiment the better you become and it's exactly the same if you're writing you know literature you know the more you come up with ideas the more that you portray ideas it could be literally the same thing you could write about a chair and find a different way to express yourself during that use more elaborate words you know you've got to challenge yourself a little bit uh, and there's an element of course of creativity where you can just express yourself but you can literally write about absolutely anything and i would just encourage any author um or aspiring author author to be uh no matter how old you are just to keep writing i think we'll end it on there mate that's the one Uh, in fact no we won't no we won't (laughs) i've got one more thing to try and squeeze out of you right at the end of the book yeah a little sneaky i thought let me just see what happens at the end of the book right at the end of the book you actually allude to there being a second book already have you started writing that already I have. I've been in the process of writing book two. Um, So, yeah. uh, Yeah. There's definitely... Well, obviously, it's not completed just yet, but um, there's definitely going to be a second book. Um, I've already had people who've read the book say to me, when's the next book out? I want it now. And I'm like, you got to give me a chance. I took eight years to write the first one. Not that I'm going to get eight years this time. I'm doing it all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. but, um, But, yeah, I mean, hopefully spring next year. Spring next year, we'll right. see. Exciting times, exciting times. Well, JB, thank you very much for having a chat with me. Uh, I'm very excited to find out more about not just like the book, but the farming side of things as well, like I mentioned personally. Uh, hopefully you invite yeah. me down to go see some of your pigs and your turkeys. I love that. Uh, bring the kids along. Yeah. But yeah, without uh, to the listeners, thank you so much for listening so far. I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, I've kept my fanboy really quiet. <laughs> all of that stuff but yeah I hope you've enjoyed this um, this podcast and I look forward to seeing you in the next one as always stay growing stay grateful and I'll see you in the next one see you later Dope, Dope Black Podcast
planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.